0: I'm Colby Spencer, and this is Vantropolis. This is Vantropolis, a podcast about the happenings, the goings-on, and the general day-to-day life and antics of the underslept masses working in Vancouver's film industry. I'm no expert. I'm just nosy. And if you are too, let's do this. What do you get when you cross an ex-professional snowboarder, with a VFX supervisor, with an industrial designer of furniture, with a drone pilot and manufacturer? You get my next guest. Jason Toth has lived many lives, much like the film protagonist Jason Bourne, who I have teasingly drawn similarities to. Lots of world travel, an adrenaline junkie, hard to pin down, and always on a new unknown mission. Jason is co-owner of Revered Cinema and a drone pilot in the BC film industry. We talk about his journey to film, from his early days of professional sports and visual effects work, to how he landed smack dab in the middle of film sets, Drone in Hand. From his work on the Apple TV series C, to the Disney film Togo and an endless roster of commercials, documentaries, feature films, and TV series, he breaks down the world of drones and how they operate and function on set, including Revered Cinema's own personal creations, their heavy lift drones. I'm so grateful I finally got to sit down with Jason. It took a while. He's a wealth of information, but he's also truly one of the kindest people I know. Enjoy. Jason, welcome. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. I've, I've finally pinned you down for Ventropolis after, God, before the pandemic, I think, I've been stalking you to come on here.
1: Yeah, it's been a while, huh? Thanks for being patient.
0: Yeah, you relented, I think, because you're on a bit of a rest period or sabbatical. So, you know, all those warm breezes, you've kind of, your defenses have weakened and you felt bad. So thanks for coming.
1: <laughs> yeah, you guilt tripped me into it.
0: We go way back. Well, obviously, you know, you're married to someone I went to high school with, which is such a small world, but, um, you know, we've worked together in the past, but I've always joked that you're like Jason Bourne because it's like you have all these past lives. You're very elusive. You're hard to pin down. You're always traveling. You're deployed to all these sets. You're a bit of adrenaline junkie with your toys. So that's my parallel for you. So I've, I've, uh, I've tracked you down, Jason. (laughs)
1: Thanks. (laughs) So
0: I'm excited to talk with you today. Obviously it's been so long. Um, There's so much to go through you know, I think I'd love to hear your journey on how you kind of got to film because it wasn't really something you'd planned on. You've sort of meandered that way and and ended up there. But um, I'd love to go into that. But also just, you know, you're co-owner of Revered Cinema. So I'd love to also talk about once we get to your film journey, you know, what what you do at Revered. And obviously, you know, more of the gear for you is leaning into drone. So we'll talk about that. I know that's such a mystery for so many people in film. It's not a You know, you're sort of like a a unit that shows up to set and kind of does your thing and leaves. Right. So it's not you're not in the cadence day to day of of film and set. So I think that's notable, too. So um, I'm going to shut up. So I would love to hear kind of how you (laughs) where you grew up and kind of how you started out.
1: Okay, Um, I grew up in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania um and uh you know there's not much to do out there you know biking skateboarding stuff like that but i got into like rc cars at an early age and that was really fun and building and tinkering and messing around and um my parents unfortunately got divorced and uh, my brother stayed with my uh, uh, uh with my dad and then i went with my mom to uh, newport beach california corona del Mar and uh got into the surf culture and the skate culture pretty heavily there
0: as as you would in california right
1: uh, of course, how could you not? You know, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I landed there when I was about twelve, and uh, yeah, started surfing, skateboarding, all that, and then got into snowboarding back in like you know ninety one. I think it was ninety two, and then um, there was a, a small company at the time uh, that was operated out of a garage called Vocal um and uh they were looking around at this a small company you just know back small in the day called volcom um well yeah it's, it's <laughs> an interesting journey but yeah at the time they were like you know had hats that they would put like a, a sticker embroidery on and like t-shirts that you know you know just like one t-shirt and like you know one color in a garage and uh rich wolcott and uh, t hall started it and they went around to all the local um high schools to find out like you know who's like you know the up-and-coming like surfer skateboarder snowboarder all that yeah, And one of my friends, Mike Bell, um, was, uh, friends with, uh, Troy Eckert that, uh, you know, kind of worked with them at the time and, and became one of like the lead guys. And, uh, just my name popped up. Next thing I know, I was chatting with those guys are like snowboard. And I'm like, yeah, I snowboard a little bit, and, you know, trying to get into it. And, uh, uh, I was heavily into it actually in this early ages. Um, there was a place called the Patch that we called in Southern California. There was a heavy snowfall that year and uh, an avalanche. So snow stick, stuck around like for the summer. It was wild. Yeah. So we all went up there, you know, Steve Graham back in the day, all these guys that were like just beginning, or not, not beginning, but doing it for a while, but like the, 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 the A team. So he had all the Groms like me just looking up to these guys. So we set up handrails and jumps and try our tricks out and next thing you know i got uh, sponsored by them um which was amazing and uh and then uh, landed uh, another sponsor uh joyride snowboards uh, back in the day and um because i would go back and forth so
0: what year was this about oh, what year was this
1: that was like 92 93 okay yeah it was a long time ago um and then uh because my parents were divorced i'd go back to pennsylvania for a few months here or there and did school but the schooling in pennsylvania had more credits than california so when I came back to uh, California, I was able to graduate uh, pretty much a year early um, and doing so, I moved to Big Bear Lake and my mom helped me out with, you know, hooking me up with Brent and stuff like that. And Volcom, you know, was chipping in, you know, boards and, and or, um, uh, clothes and jewelry with boards and, you know, you know, just trying to piecemeal like how to make this uh, a career. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, you know, uh, snowboarded for, you know, geez, I think like seven years um, eventually ended up with uh, Volcom, Burton, and Oakley. Um, we were like the, on the Grom team, like Jenna Mayan and Billy and, and Jeff, and um, great bud Scott Daniel and uh, Joel and Rhino and all these guys from like Lake Tahoe, and that's where I eventually ended up uh, in Truckee, um, and rode there every day. And we go down like uh, Mount uh, Bachelor for the summertime and do summer camps, and we were just totally enthralled in the uh, the snowboard culture. I mean, we lived, breathed it, you know the the house in a, a truck, it was like the AKA Volcom house. We'd have you know, big old parties and ragers and just, of course. that's a whole nother life that we can get into. <laughs> um, but by doing so, um, you know, I was, uh, filming some of my friends. Cause like, we were like on the beat team, like to, you know, the Groms trying to like make it happen. So, you know, I do photography and videography and we go out with the other photographers and I contribute, they contribute yeah, and all that stuff. And, you know, next thing I know I was you know, getting some stuff in like trans world or some stuff in the, the videos, um, that I was submitting on my friends and buddies. And then, um, one day, uh, reality came crashing in. Um, I was getting into like, you know, Warren Miller films and, and being filmed. And that was like backcountry stuff. Reality set in that you know I was in a little bit too much, didn't take the job seriously enough, and I got cut from all my sponsors within one year, and uh, which is actually really devastating uh, for me because that was like the year I actually got serious.
0: Oh wow! Um,
1: and really like just hunkered down. It's like yeah, I can make a career. Uh, I thought I could make a career out of it. Yeah. And then it just kind of you know all crumbled down. I was like, what am I gonna do with my life right now? I'm 25 or 26 at the time. And, you know, like, do I go back to like,
0: like a lot of athletes, right? Like a lot of oh, athletes yeah. at that age, you know, if you don't go pro, but you kind of did, but I mean, something you have to reassess so young, right?
1: You do. And it was like, do I go back to the ASR shows in Las Vegas and shop myself around and go back through this stuff? But then I was like, what happens if it happens again when I'm 30 or 32 or whatever age it might be? And it's like, you know, I really don't have any formal education. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't consider myself a smart person. (laughs) So I was just, you know, trying to be like, what do I do?
0: I disagree with that last part, but,
1: um, but anyway, yeah. So I I moved to San Francisco just because it was close and, uh, went to the art Institute and just realized that San Francisco wasn't for me. I enjoyed it. It was pretty fun at the time, but, um, I really wasn't into it. And I was like, you know what? I've been to Whistler from snowboarding Um, and I loved, you know, that area. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go to the Vancouver film school. I'm like, why not? VFS. And some of my friends are like, you're from kind of, yeah, VFS. So some of my friends are like, why are you doing that? You're from LA. And I'm like, well, I don't know. And my, my idea was, uh, and talking with people is that a lot of like the higher end guys in, uh, Canada would move to LA, uh, for work. So I was like, okay, maybe there's just kind of like a hole, like maybe I can climb the ladder quicker in Canada and, and, and see what happens. So I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I was like, oh, I'll get into editorial. Right. Like, be an editor.
0: You were thinking, my wife is graduating high school right now, and I need to go meet her. Exactly. That's what you were thinking. Yep, yep. That's a whole <laughs> other
1: story in itself. Um, the, the infamous Ginger Potten talk. Um, so anyway, I yes, so did VFS, and uh, that was interesting. Well,
0: and what did you take there?
1: I took a New Media.
0: What did you take at VFS? Uh,
1: the New Media new program, media? which is just like a mashup of anything and everything. So it's like 2d stuff 3d stuff web stuff all over because i really didn't know what i uh, wanted to do yeah and i'm kind of a jack of all trades i like everything i like the process i like the production mm-hmm. and process of figuring things out not necessarily the end product um so um i studied for a year um before i went there and i got there and like say no like you know not to not to say anything like uh, except for the school wasn't challenging enough. So I, I really just was a little frustrated with VFS, honestly, and not to bag them. It's a, it's a yeah. great uh, a great school. Um, but I, I went in a little heavy thinking it was going to be like university. So I studied all this stuff. And next thing I know, I like learned what I learned in school, out of school. Right. So yeah, so VFS was done. And then I was contemplating you know, what to do. Um, and because um, the snowboarding was still on the radar. So I was like going up to Whistler and I was going to Mount Baker a bunch. Uh, and you know trying to you know see what I could do with the whole snowboarding thing, but then uh, I started shopping around some uh, you know jobs to see what's out there and I landed a job at a company called artifact Studios and It was a compositor i didn't even know what the hell a compositor was. I was like, sure I can do that um you know fake it till you make it and then uh, luckily you know it was a
0: See that's your that's your sweet spot. Knowing you, that is your sweet spot, and that is my nightmare.
1: Uh, I love to like, dive in. You and love it
0: out. no job description. You love no job description. And I, if I, if they said there was none, I would like have a heart attack and fall on the floor. And you're like, sweet. When do I start?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the challenge, the next challenge.
0: Yeah. So the unknown.
1: Um, yeah, I went in there and uh, they um, they were really patient with me and, and taught me. I was there for about a year and a half or so. Um, two years. And uh, I, I went, and it was great. It was kind of like mm-hmm. VFS new media, but the real life version of it. So I was like doing compositing, which is like mashing up a whole bunch of different source material and trying to make it look like it was filmed at one time. Right. Um, so you got your 2D plates, your 3D plates, whatever, you're throwing smoke in there, all this stuff. And you're trying to make it look like an alien blew up or something like that. I think the first movie was Snakehead Terror <laughs> uh, when the whole Snakehead thing was going around in the States. It was amazing, but we did really good work on a really bad, like, I think it was like a Cine, Cine something. I don't remember the production company who made it.
0: Well, early days too, right? Like it is, yeah. Think how far things have come, right? Oh,
1: yeah. So, yeah. So with that, you know, I learned um, kind of almost every program from being in school and doing my stuff. And then with Artifacts is like, you know, all the 2D compositing programs, some of the um, 3D, like Maya, um, and some soft and modest stuff, and then editorial. So, uh, you know, Final Cut Pro um, and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff.
0: And just to interrupt you there, it's yeah. it's funny because when you're learning all of these things, you never, or maybe you do, but you never think like how much of that stuff has brought you now to what you do now, right? It's so interesting that it's weaved through.
1: Yeah. yeah. And at the time, like, you know, full circle at the time, you know, I was really excited. And a few years later, I was like, this stuff, why am I learning this stuff? It's kind of pointless. And then years after that, I'm like, oh my God, it does really, it, it really like, it all is like a little tiny chunk of, you know, your life of ups and downs. And when you're down, you're getting depressed, but that's just part, you don't know the highs till you have the lows.
0: Yeah. And you can't, and you can't see it all in front of you, right? No. All, at the, all, all at once.
1: It's life. Yeah, no, it's, it's life. It'd be kind of boring and mundane if it was.
0: One chapter at a time, right? Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, some chapters I'd love to erase and rip out of the page, out of the book, but, you know, so be it. It's part of, Wouldn't <laughs> it's we all? Part of, part of learning and growing up. So, yeah. So after, uh, in Artifacts... Um, I got a, uh, a tip from a friend that a company called Rainmaker, which was like a, a big post house in Canada at the time in Vancouver. Yeah, they were huge. Yeah. And I was like, that was like my my dream.
0: So many people got their start there.
1: It was an amazing place. So like, you know, I'm junior. I'm like a year or two out of school. And um, I got a lead that they uh, need a composer for a movie called iRobot with Will Smith. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like a dream come true. I get to work on a feature film with like a, a Will Smith thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm very junior, but I'm like, I'll, I'll take on the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> it was a challenge. It was, it really kind of threw me for a curveball of like the, the learning curve of just what a professional establishment, a professional studio and a professional compositor, what that takes. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily good. I just, I just you know fake my fake it till you make it i was just like i'm gonna figure it out i I did long days um you know i as many hours i possibly could put in there to learn and then excel on you know the um the program so we're using like a a mashup of after effects and uh, fusion um shake was starting to come out that time from apple um and uh no base compositing and it was it was like a kid in the candy store i was just like this is just amazing um it was challenging
0: and were you all in studio or would you ever go to set? Like I know sometimes they'll have like a VFX person. Yeah. Maybe you were too junior for that at that point, but right? Somebody from Rainmaker would go to set and like yeah, be able to exactly. see what's coming or
1: whatever. And yeah, so they would go. I wasn't part of that yet. Um that's that's the next chapter of the story. Right. So, you know, I was doing the compositing thing and doing a bunch of shows and dog shows and Dr. Dolittle and all those kind of things. And for compositing, I mean, the running joke is that, you know, we're we we polished herds so a lot of material comes in because the vfx soup is really rushed or doesn't get that opportunity and they just shoot whatever they want to shoot fix it in post so then we'd be like oh god here!" Oh, the infamous (laughs) will fix it in post (laughs) yeah so with that was like okay so you learn a lot of tips and tricks um and you know you're dealing with you know going from photoshop you know illustrator you're using every program you can just to kind of hack this thing together at the end of the day to make it look real so you know years goes by and um I was just, uh, you know, working there and trying to figure out, like, what's, what's the next thing? What's the next chapter that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And um, I was uh, still itching for snowboarding. I felt like I kind of didn't get to complete what I wanted to do personally was, like, you know, ride some big backcountry stuff in Alaska um, and, you know, really get involved with it. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm still young. Maybe, maybe I can do this. This is my, like, um, you know, late 20s. Mm -hmm. going into like, you know, yeah, 29, I think it was. And, um, they offered me a a job to, uh, do like, um, to supervise, um, as I've been there for a few years, uh, to supervise. I think it was like Dr. Doolittle three or something like that. And I said, no, I want to be a visual effects supervisor. And they're like, well, you don't have any experience. I'm like, well, I need experience. So give me the experience and I'll, I'll figure it out. And they're like, well, um, you know, we can offer you this. And I was like, you know what? And I just made the decision, which at the time, it was really scary, uh, but in the long run, it worked out great, uh, was just, I'm going to be a visual effects supervisor, and I, I quit, and call me when you guys want me. And then, um, you know, I got the snowboarding bug again, and, and uh, I was like, I'm going to do my personal kind of like gift to myself. This was like in January, and I'm going um, to go to Alaska, and I'm going to ride, you know, Alaska backcountry um, in uh, April. I haven't ridden, I think it was for like four or five years now. Um, I got so inundated with the post stuff that I just I got I just dove into it and disappeared. Um, which I do a lot in other things. Years just fly by and I'm like, I gotta do this to myself.
0: Well, and film will do that to you more than anywhere almost, right? Yeah. You hear it from everyone. They're like, I woke up and I was like, Oh my god, I'm 40. What happened?
1: <laughs> well, it's really, I mean, it's really it's fascinating. It's engaging. You know, if you have the spark to be in film, that spark is always there. Um, it's just this. It's just a really cool industry. It's very difficult. It's very trying, as you know. Um, but um, it's very gratifying too. Yeah. So you know. Anyway, fast forward. I rode the whole year or the whole winter at Mount Baker and was like just training myself uh, to just can I do this? Can I do Alaska backcountry? So I was hiking up the ridge lines, going the backcountry. You know, uh, I, I did everything I could just to be like mentally and physically prepare myself because I haven't snowboarded in a while. Right. Uh, come, I think like end of March and April. I'm uh, I'm, I'm getting uh, yeah, it was end of March. and I was getting ready to do my trip, which was like, I think I think it was the first week of April or something like that. And out of the blue, Rainmaker calls up and they're like, "Hey, we got a job for you, the visual effects supervisor."
0: Oh man plot twist. I was like, oh, you're
1: kidding me. I'm like, well, that was a lucky gamble.
0: Get out of here. I swear the universe does that on purpose. Come on, right? Like the fork arrives. It's just, it's, the timing is uncanny.
1: As long, yeah. As long as you're cool with the gamble that you make, which I was of like, I could lose the job and be done. You know, I was okay with that. Yeah. I didn't want that, but I was like, you know, accepting. Let's, this is my next chapter of my, my life. I, it's like a fork in a road. I got to go left or right. I can't keep going straight and off a cliff. Yeah. So, yeah. So they called up and it was uh, for this um, job called Need for Speed. It was electronic arts, uh, video game.
0: Yeah. EA, another Vancouver institution, right?
1: I know. Yeah. Amazing. And that was like another, like, oh my God, EA, like this is insane. Like I'm going to visual effects supervise on this. And um, yeah, next thing you know, um, my, my Alaska trip's all booked. I'm getting ready. And then I go on to uh, you know, Need for Speed. And it's my first time ever on set. Whoa. And you know, I've, I've known about it and I've done my research. But it's like I go on set to a studio. I've heard of set. I've heard of this thing, <laughs> this elusive thing. I've heard about this thing <laughs> called set. Yeah, yeah. How hard can it be? I can't be fine. It'll be fine. So I show up <laughs> and the studio like, I thought was a ma- was massive. I think it was like M- MJS studio or something like that.
0: They're they're all still pretty massive, right? Like if you've never been in one, it's like, it's insane.
1: It was like a football field. It was massive. And I show up and there's this giant green screen. And then, uh, you know, uh, David Footman, the director comes over an amazing, amazing guy. And, uh, you know this. Uh, you know the the script supervisor is Ginger, and a whole bunch of other people, and we're talking and collaborating. Ginger Prelude. The prelude, yeah. So we we've had meetings up until that point. Um, you know they didn't just throw me on like set, like oh here's the job, go on set. So we had a uh, production meetings and stuff like that, and I was just so nervous on the phone calls and stuff like that, and the, and they were already in this production for a while, and I just kind of you know parachuted in, so it was a it was a learning curve. I was very nervous.
0: Like Jason Bourne. Just, just
1: parachute in and, and and see what happens. Again, just pick it till you make it. Yeah. And um, I was confident that I could do a good job, but I didn't really know what the job was. I knew it was like kind of risk management. That's kind of what I call it. It's just making sure that the stuff, the assets that we're going to get are shot as good as we can be. And some are going to be great and some are going to be whatever it is. Um, you know, there's only so much you can do. Right. So I remember being in there and like, you know, uh having lights and moving some lights around because they're in the wrong position for a shot and then getting yelled at. Like, oh, you can't touch that. You gotta <laughs> talk to us. So, oh, okay, sorry. Rookie um, mistake, eh? You know, there's no tracking markers. So I'm like, I'm like, guys, anybody got any tape? And they're like, Oh yeah, here's gaff tape. I'm like, what's gaff tape? Like, what is that? Oh, I just need black tape. So then I'm like, you know, doing tracking markers and like helping the guys there. And I see some like junk on the floor. So I'm like, I need a vacuum. So I'm vacuuming, there's plenty of photos like of me like vacuuming on this big giant green screen and I'm just trying to make it immaculate and perfect I probably didn't have to do any of that junk um, you know fix it and post.
0: yeah you don't know until you know though right
1: no no so we we shot um, we shot that for a uh, a few days everyone was amazing the crew was amazing and then they'd be like hey Jason you know what are you needing so I was like Okay. What's the shot? Okay. We're going to do this. And we have like little cars and stuff like that. And, you know, okay, that's going to be the pro like, you know, the prop there, but it doesn't exist cause it's on green screen okay, actors coming in. So we'd set some of markers up and some balls up and, um, you know, we use all that stuff for reference and we get the camera angle and I'd be like, great. Okay. Yeah. You can move the camera on this or let's lock it up. Cause it'd be, you know, that's kind of a difficult shot. We can do you kind of camera moves and post after the fact. So from the years of compositing really helped out because I knew the tricks of the trade of what we can do. Um, And of course I had budgets that I had to do. So I couldn't just blow the budget. So it was, it was an amazing, amazing, amazing experience. And in that like few days, let's just call it a week. I learned just months of just asking questions left and right. I was a kid in a candy store.
0: Well, that was like your, that was like your real school, right?
1: Yeah. And it was my dream. It was my dream come true at that time of just like, wow, this is really, really fascinating.
0: So you're going to have to speed it along because we could go. You know what I realized, too, is that we could have done a whole thing on VFX with you because you literally have these, these you know, these multiple chapters. Oh, yeah. Right? No, it's, um, it, it was a crazy. Like we, I could have milked you for two episodes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try to quickly speed it up. So,
0: But I'll never get you again. So I have to jam you all into this one. So fast forward. So you're doing this VFX, you know, you meet Ginger. You know, the rest is history.
1: Yeah. So Ginger becomes my wife, the script supervisor on there, and there's the whole snowboarding.
0: You're like, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take a memory from this experience.
1: Yeah. And I'm gonna marry her. Yeah. It was great. I mean, a quick little funny one, just to kind of just, I know I'm not gonna, I'm sidetracking a little bit, but uh, on set, I went to Ginger. I'm like, can you give these scripts script notes to the uh, director? And she's like, why don't you? You're visual effects supervisor. I'm like, I'm going away on vacation. She's like, where are you going? I'm going, I'm going snowboarding in in Alaska, uh, a heli trip. And then I'm going to uh, Mexico to go surfing. She's like, Oh, that's my dream honeymoon. And, oh, and like, kind of like backtracking, like, kind of like, Oh, slip. Like, what did I just say? And it was really funny that <laughs> way. And then I go on my snowboard adventure. And that's a whole nother deal where I meet up with uh, the guys um, uh, from MacDog. Next thing I know, I got invited to go snowboarding with them. And, you know, there was some web episodes from Volcom, you know, that aired. And, you know, I rode with, you know, a bunch of badass guys, you know, in my i'm like retired like an old dog now and it was like with the young guys and it was amazing amazing experience where yeah it just just serendipitously just happened and i was going to be there for just a couple of days next thing i know then for three weeks and then you know ginger's trying to like you know hey how's it going i'm emailing her a little bit and i kind of dropped off the map and fast forward a few months next thing you know we started hanging out and uh the rest is history we're married um so it was uh, the visual f- i'm very grateful to rainmaker for giving me that opportunity that like, The work one or your wife? Set <laughs> or both? <laughs> well, r- you're both. still working at one. Set... You still
0: have the boss. Oh, yeah, the no. bo- she's the boss over there.
1: <laughs> she's the boss. But yeah, Rain- Rainmaker just set my life up in that direction where I met Ginger, which is just an amazing human being for dealing with me and my my BS. Um, and just being just awesome. She
0: really is. She's super
1: inspiring um, and script supervisor for many, many years. And probably, you know, at the top of what she does in that industry, in the commercial industry. And I learned a lot from her. Um, And, uh, you know, she's, she's my mentor. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, and she understands film too, right? Which I think really helps like being married to someone in film, as we know, like I am too. It's, it's uh, a sacrifice, and real. It takes a real coordinated effort, and then you add children to it. Oh yeah, and you're on level seventy five, right? Like absolutely. You know, single people struggle to manage their balance. Never mind someone with a family. So, yeah, if you have, if you know, you know, <laughs> right? If you know, you know.
1: And, and that's it. Like I would have been divorced many times over if if it wasn't her and that you know she understands film and uh, you know the sacrifices that the family makes uh, for film. In support of that way.
0: So, so your, so your, your VFX here. You're, you're like, wh- what was that pivotal moment? Obviously, for your next kind of jumping off of, of the next chapter of your life, right? So, because you did that for a bunch of years.
1: Yeah. So. Um, I, I, yeah, the VFX thing was a bunch of years. And then after the EA thing, um, I started up two post houses, uh, and had a bunch of employees and that was a whole nother, there's a whole nother story.
0: Yeah. That's, that's like an entirely other episode. <laughs> yeah.
1: I did stuff for EA and Vendetti and a whole bunch of other, uh, game, uh, uh, in-game cinematics, uh, for, uh, you know, video games, uh, and, um, E3 trailers, um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then after that, you know, I was kind of done with post-production and I always envied Ginger for being in production and being on set more. Because mm-hmm. uh, the visual effects supervisor thing was, uh, I did it often, but then i bring the stuff back to Rainmaker. And eventually Rainmaker and, you know, Rainmaker didn't want to do it anymore of like uh, the stuff that I was doing. So that's where I started my own post houses. And that was uh, good for about, you know, two years or so, but it really burned me out. Yes. Um, it's a lot of work being, uh, uh, you know, a business owner uh, in, in the visual effects arena and i've done it for long enough and i was like you
0: know yeah it's notorious it's notorious for burnout yeah it is and it's really right like, the scary. hours and just the burnout yeah, yeah
1: like you know you have a giant payroll you know you're talking like 50 to hundred thousand a month sometimes um and it's just like whoa and mm-hmm. then you have no work but then you gotta let your artists go or keep them how are you going to do it when's the next job so it's just a, it's a real mine f of just like ooh, what do i yeah. do? So I got out of that uh, and then uh, started another business, which is a whole nother ballgame, uh, a furniture business that didn't go. Um, very successful in one aspect.
0: Well, it went for a while. It, it went did. for a while. Everything was a chapter.
1: Yeah, it is chapter. Right? We, we won awards.
0: Yeah. Knowing you two, you get bored, right? So like you you weren't going to stay in one thing. You weren't going to stay in furniture. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you were already getting the itch. That's how you how you roll. My,
1: and it was. Like my, my, I was naive about it. Oh, furniture, it'll be easy. So I designed a furniture line, and uh, it was successful in, in one sense that we got a lot of awards and went to trade shows and you know accolades and all that fun stuff. But I didn't even think about the sales and distribution side of it. I was just so eager yeah. to just make a brand that the 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 sales and we did the sales and distribution. Like, don't get me wrong, but it um, it was very challenging. I, I didn't realize the film industry or sorry the uh, the furniture industry is it's a big machine, big money, yeah, um, big big players. Um, I right. was not even a guppy in this whole industry and just got swallowed up by it.
0: Well, sometimes that's the best though. That's the best because that uh, you know I, you're a risk taker, right? And that's what risk takers do. Yeah. And that's what that's you know then you we went and started a whole other thing which we're going to get into. So, <laughs> so tell is, me about like the next one. <laughs> tell me when you first touched a drone because I feel like that you know how did that happen? Right? Like where did that start?
1: Yeah. So essentially the, 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 the feature, sorry, the furniture thing was going or dying. Um, and it was ending. Um, and I was still doing it and doing container sales,
0: but you were living in Hawaii too then, right?
1: Yeah, I was in Hawaii. Um, and, um, I needed to make, you know, income and, uh, Ginger was pregnant at the time. And I'm like, what do I do now? And I'm like, I got to get back into film. I got to know, I got to do what I know. Um, but I didn't want to do visual effects anymore. It was, I couldn't be on the box anymore, um, just staring at a computer screen day in and day out. Um, I get very consumed by it. Yeah. And I find like some of my artists uh, that I worked with and or hired, they're just amazing artists. I wasn't one of those. I had to really work hard at it. I was I was good, but I really had to just put my head down and just kind of fight through it. Where some people are just natural, just like in any other sport, arena, whatever, musicians, like there's just some naturals. I knew I wasn't that. So I was like, I can't do that again. Mm -hmm. So then um, at the time I was like, okay, I want to get into, you know, maybe the visual effects supervision thing could help me transition out of post-production into production. So maybe I can, you know, be a DP, naive. Um, or a director. Sure. I can do that. Why not? <laughs> so I was like, okay, I need to make a demo reel. And this was back in like 2010, going into 2011. And um, drones were just becoming a thing where Prior to 2011, um, it was like helicopters. So you're flying like a a remote helicopter, no real gyro stabilization. Um, It's all manual. It's a very scary machine.
0: Is that like, is that, would that be like person hanging out of the side kind of thing with their camera?
1: No, that'd be an actual, like, imagine like a, a, a helicopter. Now you just scale it down to like whatever, one tenth scale or whatever it might be. So there's this helicopter that's, you know, three foot, you know, long rotor blades, um, and you probably like five feet long and you fly the thing remotely.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, like the first sort of drone. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yes. I get it now.
1: Yeah. So that was, that was like just pre drone of what we know. And there was like a company called copter kids and a few other ones that were just killing it. And they were using like the Canon, like 5d and some, you know, and that was like a big deal. Like flying a 5d at the time was like, right. Well, that's, that's, that's a big camera package. Like, and the reds, the red one. I think was just coming around that time or being used. I forget the dates. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, that was And I was like, you know what? I see something happening. And then I started like doing research and then like, um, like in 2011, that's when the whole drone thing really started taking off where like DJI was starting to announce stuff. Uh, that's like the biggest drone manufacturer, um, currently today. Um, and, um, uh, there was, um, a uh, kind of uh word around a company called Freefly is going to mm-hmm. be introducing a, a drone called the CineStar and the microcopter uh flight controller was there so there there and then like uh there is um people were starting to hack um uh, ESCs which uh, control the um, of the signal to the motor and uh, with firmware updates to make it work for a, a, a multi-copter. multicopter uh, multi multicopter could be like a a quad so four or a a hex which is six or an octa which is eight rotors so being in hawaii i was just i just you know it's, it's a beautiful place it's very inspirational i started talking to some people and uh one of my uh, friends here was like uh, as i'm dabbling into it and i got my, i got a, a drone at the time it was like a, a dji uh, i think it was called a flame wheel uh with a nasa flight controller um and i think it was 2011 that 2011 going into 12 that it came out i was like holy crap like it's a it that's when drones just kind of really took a like that that was the 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 seed, and then from there it blew up. And what did, what would that have cost? Um, oh, the little flame wheel was like fifteen hundred bucks at the time, which was a lot of money uh, okay. at the time. Like, yeah, you, know, you could you could maybe do a GoPro. DJI was soon to come out with a, a Phantom, they call it, um, which is like the the, the probably the best selling little drone at all time. And you know everybody was like clamor of like what to do. So it's like, can we fly a five D? How do we fly a five D? So. I just you know, started doing research, talking to people all over the world, um, forums, groups, whatever I could, Find um, uh, stuff from China and Frankensteining, literally Frankensteining of just yeah. what's going to work? How do I make this thing fly? And within about a year, I had a flying, you know, the first you know, octocopter that I built um, that was flying a, a Canon 5D with like, I think it was like a hacked 5D with like, I think it was called magic lantern back in the day, is um, so that you can actually film some stuff. And then, uh, one of my friends here in Maui that, um, interestingly enough that I started working with, uh, with drones, he was like, can you fly a red? And I think, uh, you know, it was the, one of the first reds, it was, it was the one after the red, uh, red one. So it's kind of the, the square one. And he had one, I was like looking at it and we're like, I don't know if we can do the weight. And next thing you know, within a few months we are flying it.
0: And that's, that would have been like the first cinematic camera, right? That, you know, cause a 5d yeah. it would be more like a photography or like a personal camera, right?
1: exactly it was the first legit camera um and that was kind of like the holy grail and at the time when i was researching and talking with people um uh there's uh like a copter works um uh, in europe and a few other guys that were dabbling at the same time so there was about like i don't know how many but i'm just gonna say about a dozen that i knew of that were going down the same route of like you know how do we fly this thing and we started you know doing it but you know flight times were like you know two minutes um, you know, a three-minute flight was like Whoa, two minutes. You're, you're pushing. That's two right. whole minutes. Three minutes. It wasn't much. Because was previously, very... right,
0: it would have all been large. It would have been large helicopters, like in the '80s and stuff. Right, if you needed yeah. aerial, you got a big helicopter with a pilot and a camera person, or I guess oh, a yeah. camera underneath it sometimes. Right, which is not very. You know, it's expensive. Yeah,
1: hanging outside the doors and yeah, and right. There's, there's a whole bunch of like older like manual gimbals that were out there, uh, stabilized heads and stuff like that. But the whole kind of uh, digital wave that's going to be coming in the next couple of years, um, like 2012, 13, 14, 15, that's when the whole market boomed. Right. Um, it was just the, the right recipe of just you know technology, the film industry uh, starting to boom again, um, and um, uh, you know drones starting to happen. So anyway, so with that, um, you know. One job, I actually got hired on my first job, was with McGillicuddy Freeman uh, Films, shooting a Humback Whale documentary. And it actually wasn't even really shooting it. It was using drones as a um, a prop, essentially. Really? Of like how whale researchers um, are going to use this technology to go and uh, uh, shoot whales. And luckily, being in Maui, uh, we went with uh, um, like Jim Darling and um, uh, Jason Sturgis, which is one of the like you know top underwater photographers. And Jim Darling is like one of the top whale researchers in the world. So we were able to get permits um, on wow. to you know fly drones. So I did fly drones with the GoPro on it.
0: Were you nervous? Were you like I, I don't want to hit a whale?
1: Oh, of course.
0: of course. First of all, losing it in the ocean, right? Never mind hitting the whale.
1: Oh yeah. With these legends. Well, flying off a boat um it's always sketchy yes uh yeah flying off a of boat and uh you know filming and they have all this big huge imax equipment on like these old NACO heads which are like these like um like uh hydraulic heads and the boats flying all over the place like you know rocking and then like the breaking and they're like hey jason you're the tech guy how do you fix this i'm like i don't know and, you know trying to like fix these heads while trying to deal with drone and uh, it was a really amazing experience we we're out on the boat for about a month and uh, um you know uh you know pretending that the drone is shooting so we're shooting and documenting mm-hmm. the drone and and stuff like that and actually getting some really fun shots of like the i, I we did like an underwater housing on the gopro and hacked something so as the uh, as um you know you see the bubbles you know i would land the drone and as the whales coming up i take off and then the, you know the whale would come up and do this little you know with the blowhole in the spout and you know watch it and they go back under and i would land the drone back and i skip this thing across the water it was it was a magical experience, and then from that,
0: I was just going to say, "magical" was the word I'm thinking. Of, it was, right? like, especially IMAX. A- IMAX is that benchmark level. We all know exactly what that is. Oh, yeah. even back then, right?
1: And when you're on a boat for a month, um, from sunrise to sunset, you see some pretty epic stuff. Um, and we had permits, so we were jumping in with the whales too. Um, you know, it, it, it was it was it was a magical experience, something I'll remember for the rest of my life because um, you don't really get to do that. I, I was like, this is really cool. Maybe I can make, you know, a business out of this thing. So I started doing a little marketing, advertising, go on the forums. And the next thing I know, I got like a, a music video in California. So I flew to California. Then, uh, you know, another music video. Music videos were like the, I think the ones at first were, they were low budget and they were risk takers. Uh, they wanted cool shots. So, you know, I started work on some of that stuff. And then, uh, you know, I flew to like Arkansas and, and shot, uh, I think it was like the, uh, the Clinton uh, Library um, for, uh, the city of, uh, Arkansas or uh, the state of Arkansas and all this kind of stuff. So it started, you know, one job, two job, four job, you know, it just started escalating. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, my wife, uh, like I said, Ginger, she was pregnant. So we went back to Canada. Um, this was like in 2013, you know, I had the company kind of started, I was, I was doing jobs, uh, and she was doing script uh, and uh, she's you know, going to have her kids soon. So I'm like, I got to get serious about this thing. Like, what's, what, what's going to happen here?
0: Was it called Revered Cinema then? Had you already named it?
1: Um, I was just looking up names and I wanted a short name. Um, so I wanted like an acronym like RVRD or well, Revered. So if you take out the E's, you get RVRD. I was like revel. I was trying all these things. I was trying Latin words. I was trying all these things. And Revered was luckily available for a budget that I could do. Um and I liked it. Um <laughs> therefore it won. <laughs> and it won at the time and you know, got a little website going up, which is a nightmare in itself, and you know, all the marketing stuff and just, you know, one man band trying to get this thing going. Yeah. And then um, yeah, uh, went to Canada. Um uh, and sorry, the dates are a little wrong. So 2012, uh, my son was born. I'm and not gonna hold you. I'm not gonna hold you to it. I yeah, uh, thanks. There's a lot going well, maybe on,
0: your okay. son's birth, but other than that, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how old is that? That one probably people will care about.
1: <laughs> yeah. So 2013 uh, uh, in um, Canada now, you know, a couple people, I guess from Ginger, she's talking, you know, people are inquiring about drone. And I'm like, honey, I need, I need a good camera operator. Like, who do you recommend? And then, you know, she didn't blink. She's like, Derek Height. And I was like, okay, I've heard of Derek Height from snowboarding because he used to be on a uh, Burton snowboard, uh, snowboard as well. He's like on the A team. I was like on the B team. So, you know, I looked up to him. He was like, you know, he was there um, and knew of him.
0: Look how the paths collide. Hey, like we uh. colliding, So weird. Yeah,
1: seeing them on trans world snowboarding and all that stuff. So it was really odd.
0: But I did I did want to say one thing about that, <clears throat> just going back to it, is I, I think from a lot of skateboarding, snowboarding, and even surfing, right? If you look at, like, Jack Johnson doing films, like, there was a lot of filmmaking going on with those activities for whatever reason. Yeah. Right? Like, a lot of filmmakers came out of doing a lot of that stuff, which is kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. And maybe it was just they wanted to shoot themselves, and it was sort of by design. but. Yep. Like a lot of surf films are the same way, right? You have all these guys <clears throat> that that are surfing, and then they're also like they're shooting, they're they're making movies out of it or docs, right?
1: Oh, and, and absolutely. And to like backtrack just a hair is like with Volcom, they they pretty much inspired me. Like I was in the stills, but being on the team and uh, doing, you know, they were always shooting their own movies. So you know, using like uh, eight mm and sixteen mil, hiring uh, a Sioni and you have all these guys and it was just all this gorilla shooting and making snowboard videos and all that and that's where kind of my love of film and snowboarding kind of just combined and collided yeah and that's where i was like I-, I would love to make a career out of it so then you know fast forward to uh, uh to the summer of 2013 uh derek um you know he was uh, actually thinking working he was working with one of the drone co- local drone companies at the time um so we had some knowledge and some experience yeah i was like fantastic and I just remember, you know, walking up the chief on one of the jobs that we landed um, and just being like, you know, you want to be part of this thing. And he's like, hell yeah, Like, let, let's do this.
0: Yeah, because I don't think people realize, right, like with a drone, you have a drone operator, but you have a camera operator. And we'll get into that. There's you need two people kind of thing, right? You, you can't do both at the same time. Well, maybe when it was all built in together, but not now. Exactly. Not for film anyway.
1: Oh yeah. So like at the time, like yeah, before, uh, Derek, I had like ginger on the sticks. Um, I, you know, hired anybody and anybody so I could fly it and I flew out of necessity. I wasn't even going to be a pilot. I was just right. like, I need to start. I want to start this thing. I want to make a, a demo reel to become a DP director. That was essentially it. And then, you know, from that, h- here we are. Like, he you know, can't get I, out. I needed-
0: <laughs> you like, I'm still looking for somebody else to do it. So if anybody wants uh, to do it instead of me, please let yeah, me yeah, know.
1: exactly. And, you know, <laughs> next thing I know, I'm a pilot. That's, that's what I do now, and that's what I've been One doing. Of do. One of the best.
0: One of the best.
1: No, no, I'm just, I just, Come I just, I'm, I'm really good at spatial awareness, probably from snowboarding and so forth. And that's yeah. where I find a competent drone pilot is, is, interpreting somebody else's vision and putting it into reality based off of your location and your spatial awareness is you need that. That's like a percent must um, because you're flying in 3d space and you usually, and we'll get into that, you know, flying from a fixed point. And there's FPV flying. There's a whole bunch of the, the drone industry is just blowing up. So to, you know, a little backtrack would then be you know, Derek was on board and we put our, our, you know, uh, everything into it. Um, yeah. You know, Blood, sweat, tears, laughter, everything. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, we're we're out on his, uh, you know, his driveway under a tent, you know, building drones in the rain, and his wife Lena being awesome, bringing tea, and we're yeah. just, you know, just hacking this and whatever we can do, just to. To make it happen for the production, and it was like kind of bleeding edge at the time because nothing ever worked, and it did work. It only worked for a few minutes, it seemed. Right. Um, yeah, like I think people like, think
0: you're you're going to set and you're throwing that thing up and you're shooting for an hour. Like no.
1: Oh no. Right. It's like no. a few
0: minutes in the beginning
1: yeah it was you know we had like three minute flight times in the beginning um the gimbals weren't stabilized so they're super shaky so you had to shoot off speed yeah at like you know 90th of a second so you had no motion blur to add motion blur after the fact um you know the the all of the stuff that you would use for the electronics nothing was like an all-in-one nothing was really streamlined everything was just frankenstein just to make it work right so you know we did that and we we really enjoyed um, uh, the, the challenge as well. It's like, let's build something bigger, better always. So we were just constantly building. We'd go through, you know, multiple revisions per year. Yeah. And that kind of helped with the, the, the building of the company too, because it was like based off the client's needs. Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to lift? How do you want to lift it? Where do you want to lift? Like all that stuff. So it's like, you know, what type of drone are we going to do? And there's multiple configurations of a drone. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was, it was really fun. And then like, 2013-14 was like the turning point for drones where uh, FreeFly, again, amazing innovators. Um, they had their Cinestar drone out there and they had a, a, a gimbal that was like a servo-driven gimbal. It wasn't great, but it worked.
0: Explain to people what a gimbal is just quickly.
1: Okay. So pretty much uh, a gimbal tries to stabilize the motion of the vehicle that it's on. So, you know, you put it on a drone, so you have vibrations. So you have to cancel out the vibrations. But the primary thing with the gimbal is that you can pan left and right. You can tilt up and down, you know, you can spin 360 and look all around. So now you have this, you know, this camera that can fly and look all around. It's, it's, it's again, another, it's magical. <laughs> it's like, what is this thing?
0: Well, you take it all for granted now, oh, right? Oh, you, you take sure it for do. Granted. And let's be honest. A lot of the film people on set take it all for granted too. Um, but you don't think about all that. You just think, oh, I've got this camera and I'm going to move it around. It's like, it's much more complicated than that, right? Oh, yeah. It seems we, would, easy. we would
1: probably do five days of heavy work to get ready for a one-day shoot. And then after that shoot, we'd probably just crash for a day. And then we'd back on for another week of just trying to fix stuff and get things going for another shoot. Um and everyone, it wasn't just us, everyone was going through that process because yeah. it was just so so new technology and things were rapidly coming out that you wanted to try new and new things and test new things and some things worked, some things didn't. Like we've tried every drone, we've built every combination of drone, mm-hmm. every piece of equipment you can name, we've done it. And um, you know, it was expensive, but it was one of those things. It's like we need to just see what's the best. And we've made a lot of stuff ourselves, um, innovated a lot of stuff and Frankenstein a lot of stuff.
0: Well, you've made your own you've made your own IP drones too, right? Like yeah. the Rapture.
1: Yeah. So that's kind and, of and, uh, and
0: your latest XL, right? Like those are those are revered cinema drones. Yeah,
1: and uh, it's a again a culmination of everything. So, like you were saying back in, in earlier in this conversation, it's like going from visual effects and designing the furniture and all that other stuff that led up to this point all helped from this point moving forward.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, so, tell yeah. me about like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go. I was just going to say, tell, tell me about like your your first few times on set with Derek, right? So like, you know, I mean, if you go on your site, the the resume is endless, right? It's like commercials and TV shows and feature films. Like I can't, we couldn't even have enough time to go through them all. There's so many. But your role essentially, you know, on set is different for every single one of those, right? So talk to me a little bit about that, right? Like what is it like, depending on what you're shooting, what you need to do on set, with you and Derek working together?
1: Sure. I mean, it, 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 this is a whole nother probably episode in itself. It gets very involved. Oh,
0: you want to come back. That's so sweet.
1: <laughs> oh, maybe in five years. You barely
0: wanted to do this one. Now you want to come back. We'll, we'll have a panel.
1: Oh, I was so nervous.
0: <laughs> like, for example, on a, on a commercial, right? Like on a commercial, you, you'd maybe have, you'd be aerial following the car down like a dirt road, let's say, yeah. right? I know there's other gear, right? There's, there's like mechanical arms or telescopic arms that go off, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like a stunt vehicle that could also track that. But, um, you know, just, I guess, talk to me about on set with the drone, some of the things you'd be asked to do just so people can understand how it's being used.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that people don't know about drones, is like, oh, it's a drone unit. Like, just go up. It's, it's usually a three-person crew. So you have a drone pilot, you have a camera operator, and then you have an AC or a tech. Uh, that helps just kind of manage things as you're going and move things around, get batteries charged, uh, help with lens changes, any any of that stuff. But essentially, we're like multiple departments in one. It's like, one, you have a operator um, that's operating the drone. Then you have an operator that's operating the, the gimbal. Uh, and then that gimbal operator is also a camera tech, so he has to know all the settings of all that. And then you have your downlink and your video feeds.
0: And you're talking to each other, right? You're, ta- yeah. you're also talking to each other.
1: Yeah, so we have HME headsets. Uh, Yeah. And then, uh, you know, coordinating that and then uh, um, working with the camera department and the director and the DP um, and uh, sometimes the writers Um, and you're trying to get what their envision is. Uh, You're looking at storyboards. Um, Sometimes they have them, sometimes they don't. Um, You're trying to interpret things. For example, like, you know, a car chase scenes like we want to chase this car down the street. And, uh, sometimes we're on tech scouts, sometimes we're not. And, you know, sometimes the streets like, Oh my God, you're really going to put us through here. There's, there's wires and, and other things that, you know, uh, were, were, you know, not discussed. So it's like, okay, how do we do this? Right. So yeah, logistical stuff, the logistical stuff of, you know, the way I look at it is that the location dictates the tool that's being used. And that's where, you know, we started with drone, but we now do like, um, Uh, uh, the arm cars, uh, which are, uh, um, you know, called the the Ukraines, and then cable cams and motorcycles and all these tools that are better used than drone because we've been through a lot with drone. And we're like, we can't do that again. What's a tool out there?
0: Right. So you'd say you kind of added to your repertoire based on seeing not limitations of drone, but maybe it's not the best choice. Exactly. For certain things,
1: right? I look at ourselves as that, um, you know, we're professional camera movers how do we move that camera? Well, let's figure out the tool that we put this gimbal on and attach it to. Uh, and then that's going to dictate, you know, what we're able to do and what we're able to not to. Right. So with like drone, yeah, you know, there's, there's times where, you know, we've been in um, Alouette Lake and it's, you know, beautiful, beautiful area. And they got this awesome road with these pine trees. I mean, they must be old growth. I don't even know. They're 120 feet tall and the road's only a two lane road. So it's super narrow. And, you know, you know, there's a little bit of canopy and they're like, okay, now chase this car at 50K, 60K. And it's like, okay, how are we going to do that? Oh, do we operate out of a car? Do we operate out of line of sight? Which just means you're standing there. Right. And as it goes, you're trying to track this thing, which is difficult as well. And then all of a sudden, you know, let's say we're in a car and then you're going underneath trees and all that. And that's where the, um, uh, using, uh, the arm car um, you know, had to come into play. Um, uh, where he's like, this is not the right tool. This mm-hmm. is kind of dangerous. Yeah. Um, you're, you're putting us in a situation. We'll do it. We'll get it done, which we did. Um, but you know, whew, that was, that was hairy. Let's not do so, that you know, again. Yeah, let's look at the next thing. <laughs> let's not do that one again. Yeah. Well,
0: and I think sometimes it's, it's, it's like managing those expectations. You're right. Because there's a lot of like creative vision on set, but it doesn't always translate into the technical limitations, right? That's always like, they just hear no.
1: Yeah. And with film, there is no, no doesn't exist. Well, like, true. That's what we've learned is yeah. that like, uh, we're risk mitigators. Um, um, so we have to assess the situation, which comes from them of like, this is what we want. Okay, where's the location? Here's the location. And how do you want it? Okay, great. And there's times where like, you know, that's not possible, but you don't say that. You come up with a solution. Um, so you're a problem solver. They're there on the day. You're there on the day. How are you going to make it work? As close to their vision, so they're stoked at the end of the day. Yeah, n- not stressful at all. <laughs> no, not stressful at all. Not stressful. But at you, all. once you get the drone up and you get a shot, their they, their jaws drop and their you know eyes just you know open up. And you know usually you see a camera from a certain angle, but drone is a beautiful tool for the fact that you're seeing a similar angle like a crane that's familiar with Dolly track, but you're seeing it from a different vantage point. Right. And that's where the magic is where you're like, you know, you can be from two feet up to 400 feet, um, you know, there's transport Canada guidelines as well and anything in between. So you can use it for static scenes, you know, Dolly move around. I'm not saying it's replacing those things, but it's a, it's, it's a continuation of uh, these other tools that you're able to, you know, move around and and you you do get that movement and you get that parallax and that wrap that every DP and director just love and Mm -hmm. foreground motion and
0: just more options, right. More options,
1: more options. Yeah. And lately just going from the early days of our three minute flight time with the smallest camera package you could absolutely pop possibly put on there with like an EF lens. Now we're flying, you know, pretty much, you know, uh, we've been granted by transport Canada, um, special flight operator certificate. So we're able to fly above the 55 pound, um, uh, 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 weight limit. So now we have, you know, drones that are 105 pounds, which now means we can fly from, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. We can fly uh full ingenue zooms. Uh, we can fly whatever camera package, fizz, matte box, rain spinners, whatever you want on there, we can fly now. So that limitation of a director, or a DP's creativity and the glass and how they want to convey something, it used to be kind of hindering um, because they'd be like, this is what we want. It's like, "I can't really do that. Now it's like, you know what? We can do that, right? Um, and it's 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 made it made it's made it easier in the sense where it was hard to get there with these big drones and all the permitting and all that stuff. But um, it's becoming more creative now because all those limitations um, are kind of removed. Now you are part of uh, uh, the the camera unit um, where they can use the exact same thing on the ground as they can for the air, and it's really seamless. And um, you know, the clients love it.
0: Well, and they can speak camera, right? And then with Derek, of course, you've got that, that synergy there, right? So he can represent that camera need.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's one, he's one of the best uh, camera operator, gimbal operators, and you know, technically you know, uh, savvy people, the person that I know. Yeah. Um, and, and with our team, he's just, he, he knows that language. He's been in it for years prior to me uh, being a first and second AC mm-hmm. um, and, and just knows it and uh, knows everybody. And that's another, you know, reason of the success um, as well as, you know, we both put our heads down, um, but he's he's been doing this and uh, in the film ministry for quite a long time. So it's, it's, you know, with me and him, it was just like me moving to Canada, doing this drone thing and him getting on board and drones becoming popular. And then the BC film market just blowing up and uh, embracing drone over the years. Um, it was just a perfect storm of, you know, the successes that we, uh, we currently we've had and currently have, and, uh, uh, will continue in the future. Um, it wasn't always like this.
0: <laughs> no, it's a real go-to on set. Like it's all, it's, it's often, uh, it was never so much a consideration as it is now. Right. Yeah. Which is great.
1: No, I mean, in the early days, like, like commercials were like the first thing mm-hmm. they were, they were the risk takers. They would, they would do it. And then maybe you get a TV series that use you for an opening or an end credit. Features are like, no way, too much liability. And they didn't trust it. And, you know, drones always having complications and, you know, oh, let's get the drone up. Why why is it not working now? Uh, Just the early days were really trying.
0: Let's talk a little bit about a couple of films. Like, you know, uh, one that comes to mind, of course. Well, one is the TV series C that was huge here. Season one, right? With Jason Momoa. And I know a bunch of you guys were up. Was it Ashcroft?
1: We were all over the place. Uh, we were on the island. We're lower mainland. We were uh, in uh, Squamish. We're all over the place. It was it was an amazing show.
0: That was such an epic one for Apple, right? Like yeah. that was it was veiled in secrecy. And Jason Momo was up here and you guys got to work on a bunch of that, which was cool. And lots of beautiful like landscape, <clears throat> you know, landscape shots and stuff. Right.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it was beautiful. And, uh, um, you know, everyone involved on the production side, um, you know, really put their heart into it. Uh, uh, Brian Pearson, amazing DP, um, you know, he entrusted us and, uh, you know, we had a blast. We shot so many days on that, which was, which was weird. Like I said earlier in the days, it was like, you might do like, you know, um, one or two days out of a whole, you know, season, like, and then just in the past, like pre COVID, um, for that, you know, the, the year before COVID and, and now is, you know, we're on, you know, the run of show, which is unheard of. Yeah. And I think that's just because like the drone market um, in a whole has established itself. It's a viable filming tool. It's reliable. Um, You know, you have the safety procedures uh, implemented um, that, you know, big productions are embracing it um, and using it, um, which is amazing.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's come a long way, right?
1: Yeah, it's come a long way.
0: Yeah, to be really more included on set, because a lot of times you're just like day players. You show up, you're these three random people. Mm-hmm. You don't really know anyone. You might know a couple of the PM or, you know, like the DP or whatever, but you're not going to know the ebb and flow of the team, of everyone on the crew. So that's kind of a hard thing to do. You're like the mm-hmm. new kid. You show up, you know, you're, you're meeting a bunch of people you don't know often and, and hearing what they want, and then you're doing your thing, and then you're leaving. So it can be isolating too, right? Like you're not part of the, the heartbeat of the day-to-day set when you're like that
1: completely we're not in the pre-production um we're somewhat of an afterthought
0: yeah exactly Um, we're
1: like they have to like uh i don't want to say it's that like you know we're a want not a need um but it is that way in a sense that um, they have to get their dialogue yes so that that has to happen and if they get those beauty shots they get them but sometimes they you know you're on set and they didn't use you for the day you know some days you're like oh thank goodness you know i get a little break but (laughs) we're we're there we want to work
0: Or they jam you at the end, right? They jam you (laughs) at the end. They're like, oh my God, we got some time.
1: Drone! It's sunset. Go drone off, drone off.
0: You have seven minutes. You can do it, right? Yeah. Just freaking (laughs) out. Like that is so, it's like zero to a hundred, right?
1: Which you do. uh, Super stressful. Oh, it is. It is. But, you know, that's kind of the fun of it as well. Um, It's, you know, we're, our our crew is, you know, a bunch of adrenaline junkies. We're all like ex-snowboarders, ex-professional athletes, you know, kayak, snowboarding, Mm -hmm. skiing, whatever. Um, And, you know, have like the the love uh, for film. And that's how we all got into this. Um, and, you yes. know, we have we have an amazing cre- a, a crew, a team um, and, you know, amazing gear and, um, you know, amazing uh, studios and productions to work with. So it's this great symbiotic relationship we all have uh, to further, you know, the this industry in a whole um and just being creative. Like, you know, it's a pretty cool job. It isn't that nine to five Monday through Friday office. We're always in unique places, getting unique experiences, getting to see stuff that most people don't get to see. And uh, it, it's really rewarding that way.
0: Yeah, well, a couple come to mind, right? Like Togo, of course, with Willem Dafoe, the Disney dog sled film, yeah. right? Which I think was supposed to take place in Alaska, but were, you guys were in Alberta?
1: Yeah, we're in Alberta, um, uh, in Kananaskis and above Kananaskis uh, towards Jasper. Uh, we were there for a few months.
0: And how is temperature? Like temperature would have been a concern with the camera, right?
1: It, Alberta is a little nuts, a little, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place, but it's somewhat bipolar. For anybody that's listening that hasn't been to Calgary, um, it is stunning. It is a really, really beautiful place where the prairies meet the Rockies and they're new Rockies, they're all jagged. It's just like awe-inspiring. But, you know, one day you'll be in, you know, a t-shirt and the next day it's like minus, you know, 20, minus 30 Celsius. Yeah. Um, And it's just like, what the heck just happened here?
0: And that was a lot of like winter snow, you know, the tundra kind of thing, right? With like chasing these, you know, chasing sleds and chasing the lead actor and making sure everything doesn't freeze, right? The batteries and everything.
1: Then, yeah. And you get drone in an environment like that. It was challenging. I mean, we were flying a lot of like negative 20, negative 25 days. Um, And uh, it was amazing. But working in that environment is difficult, let alone working with Mm -hmm. electronics, let alone working with some of the, you know, the camera systems, you know, $150,000, $200,000 in the air um, all up. So it's like, whoo, Put puts some stress Triple on Triple whammy. You. Triple whammy. And uh, um, uh, Eric And
0: chasing an A-lister.
1: Yeah, chasing an A-lister. And Erickson, the director was just, you know, he's just a sweetheart. And, you know, very, you know, explained everything very detailed of what he wants. Um, he would get it and he would move on. And uh, that was a joy to work with as well. Because of those conditions, like you didn't have time to like- he wanted everything to be as good as it possibly could. And everyone gave it their all, like gave it everything in that condition yeah. to make it happen. So we didn't have to do it again, of course, cause we're freezing our butts off. Um, but you know, it really worked out. And when you get like a great crew that was up there in that environment, um, it, it just, it just worked. I mean, so it, it worked out very beautifully considering the complications the production went through uh, to get that movie done. Um, it was not an easy movie to make.
0: Yeah, it's a good film to watch. If you want to, like, think about what, you know, I'm sure you can, if you watch it, you can probably see where drone was used. It's Yeah. You know, you can start understanding how it's used. And then, of course, some of the guys adopted some of the huskies, right, from your crew?
1: Yeah, yeah, Dwayne and Jeff. Um, uh, how you know, sweet is that? Yeah, it was awesome. They dealt with Disney, and, uh, you know, they actually had an interview um, between Disney and them to adopt the huskies. And uh, they're part of their families now, which is just the uh, – um, amazing as well
0: yes of course
1: so that's that's the gift of film yeah you get to meet a lot of great people and get to be a lot of cool experiences
0: you go do a day on set and you come home with a husky a
1: new family member yeah
0: and they're quite and they're quite they're quite cheeky too those oh yeah topics. they're fun
1: they're fun <laughs> their kids uh, love them and yeah uh, they're, they're great family members yeah they're, they're cute
0: you basically take home a director. You're like, okay, you're the director of my life now. Oh,
1: they got a lot of energy.
0: You're a furry director.
1: Yep, those huskies. And they're gorgeous, gorgeous, you know, with the blue eyes and the whole nine yards. Yeah,
0: that's such a, I love that little thing. And then just recently, I know we're running on time here, but recently you guys, like a bunch of you went down to Peru. I know you didn't specifically, but for working on Transformers, right? Which just looked epic, like unbelievable stuff, even at like Machu Picchu. I don't want to give anything away, but pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what I can say or not say, but, uh, you know, we shot, uh, a lot of days in Montreal and then, uh, the crew uh, went down to Peru, um, uh, that we did a uh, heavy lift uh, with our hex drones. Um, you know, the big, big drones. I mean, they're like nine foot tip to tip, um, because they had to fly elevations up to like 15, 16,000 feet. Uh, and for a long period of time, right,
0: so elevation. Yeah, yeah. So we, we designed
1: the drone specifically for them where they're like, this is what we want to do. And do you have any systems? And, and we're like, you know, we currently don't, but we can make them. And they're like, okay, you get, you get some time, how long is it going to take. And uh, you know, we did it. Yeah. And uh, you know, the Montreal stuff was, was really, really cool. A lot of nights, pretty much everything was nights. So that was very demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, get, getting to work on that kind of level of production, uh, the sophistication of the shots, um, the visual effects, the pre-vis, everything. It was, it was really, really uh, um, um, yeah, a very interesting, neat, um, you know, a memorable experience I'll remember for the rest of our lives. Then the guys went to Peru and shot like Machu Picchu, yeah. Um, which drones aren't currently allowed there. So, you know, the production had to work with uh, the local government and, uh, you know, work on a deal of, you know, what they're able to do and how to do it. And, and, you know, our guys went down there and it was, again, a once in a lifetime experience to, you know, be in those locations, let alone filming a a feature like that, let alone flying drones over it. Um, Really, really cool scene. That's bucket list. Oh yeah. It was, it was all time for those guys. And and there was another drone that we helped develop uh, um, uh, with uh, Gabe, which is, uh, you know, one of the top FPV pilots uh, in Canada, let alone probably, you know, the world Um, where we did a a FPV drone. So first person view. So, you know, Gabe's got goggles on and he's just a wizard at uh, flying. And you know, Derek's on the sticks, and we actually put a uh, full-size gimbal and camera um, on a very, very small, very high-power f- uh, powered drone that can do like 100 miles an hour and fit through small spaces. Yeah, those so, are insane. You know, the big those are drone, insane to watch. Oh, it's 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 so cool. So everyone you know has seen or it, that's in drone knows about FPV, but then putting a full-size camera and stabilized gimbal like the Movi on it was just another whole like, wow, this is cool because our big drone was like more static, high and wide, bigger, bigger establishing shots because the things like nine feet wide. Yes. Uh, tip to tip. So, but now you get this little drone that's more like, you know, two and a half feet. So, you know, and Gabe, you get him on it and you, you're just threading the needle, spinning around, doing all this stuff. It's just, it's going to be an amazing uh, cinematic, you know, uh, you know, adventure in this new Transformers. I think they're really, uh, they really nailed it on this one.
0: The sky's the limit. It seems right. Like just when you think you can't advance, something else comes up. And oh, I mean is that, that a pun? That, that'll keep going, right? Oh, sky's the limit. Do you want that <laughs> as your slogan? You could just jam it under the under the logo. The
1: sky's the limit. guaranteed. Another drone company's done it. Drones very popular, as you know. As uh, as uh, as you know, every everybody has somebody, you know, uncle, brother, sister, grandma that flies a drone nowadays. Yes, but not um, yours. It's become very mainstream.
0: They're not going to Machu
1: Picchu. Uh, no, no, no they're not, they're not going there's to only a
0: couple teaching, that no? can do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know all too, you know props to all the uh, other uh, uh, high- end uh, you know drone companies out there. Um, there's quite you know there's a, a good dozen uh, that come to mind that you know they've they've been there since kind of day one as well mm-hmm. and we've all kind of jumped down the rabbit hole and uh, you know helped the film the film industry helped us nurture this industry, which now in turn is helping the film industry.
0: yeah, it's very symbiotic, right? which is great to see. It really, it really is. It's a nice, it's a nice partnership.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's come it's come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really nice too, of like how the film, films embraced it. Like I said, like up until just pre COVID, you know, we're still day callers, which we are, but now we're, we're, we're doing, you know, many, many days on the shows um, that we're, you know, we're, we're doing run a show essentially uh, when they do the shots.
0: Yeah. You're feeling more part of things, which is, is great.
1: Yeah, which is really cool, um, you know. And then we have our other uh, other toys too that help supplement it. Um, so it's it's really fun for our crew and uh,
0: boys with toys. That's the other slogan you can have if "Sky's the Limit" doesn't get approved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> boys with toys.
0: Come on, that's what it is. Oh, it's
1: probably already taken too. Yeah, no, but it's it, it's really cool, and they're being very creative on how uh, to use things. Uh, there was a show called um, uh, oh, what was it? Um, was it was it the the boys? Um, oh, the film. Good boys. Oh, Good boys. That's the one. Yeah. Good boys
0: With, that Seth Rogen, like produced or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, we're we're shooting, uh, you know, plates and all that stuff and, and live action. But then, of course, they used us to, you know, shoot the drone that is actually being shot like a prop drone. So we had cool things of like, you know, having a, we made a, our department made like a a drone that then we rigged onto our big drones and hung them off the ends. So then we're filming the drone doing its action while we're actually flying both drones as one. So meta. It's just like, what's happening here? And then other ones were like, yeah, we want you to fly into a bus. We're like, well, what? We're like, yeah, we want you to get the drone fly into the bus so and then it's like oh man and the next thing you know is like i'm up there I'm, I'm on a ladder trying to get my line of sight and there's a bus coming straight at me at like you know 40k and they're like yeah we well, want you to hit the zero or the O in school i'm like oh which one and they, you know made a little funny comment <laughs> there's two i know I'm like, which one and then you know they, and then they only have like a, a, a probably a five foot window because now they're trying to get everything on a lock off right they with want stunts and everything to yeah so then you're trying to gauge like your speeds and everyone's looking at you and you just get really nervous. Ah, and, and, you know, luckily we've been doing this enough that, you know, first, first try we, we, we nail it. It's like, boom. And they're like, that ah, was sick. Let's get, a, let's get a safety. And, you know, we, we did that a couple of times, but it was like, where do you get to like purposely, you know, smash, you know, drones on set? So they're using, they're using it as, you know, a, a very creative tool. I'm not saying that they're all doing that. You don't want mm-hmm. to smash a drone. Um, But it was really cool. We've been in a lot of really neat situations where we got to utilize, you know, various technologies, um, you know, to be creative. It's pretty cool. I pretty
0: love cool. it. And, and again, like at the end of the day, that's why the long hours and the grind, you know, people stay because yep. it's so creative and every day is so different. You just never know what you're going to get. And people get addicted to that, right?
1: Oh, it is. It's straight up addictive. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just looking at uh, a little reel while I'm uh, talking to you and just looking back at like all the memories and the people you meet, the locations that you get to see. Um, and you know, this was all kind of our dreams as we we're, you know, teenagers in the early twenties uh, of like, I want to work on film and now we're working mm-hmm. on film at like a very high caliber. Um, so it's very rewarding and, uh, you know, we, we really appreciate it, uh, that, uh, you know, the studios really embrace this uh, technology and, uh, you know, trust in us, uh, to, you know, capture beautiful footage for them.
0: Well, it's well-deserved. I mean, you've worked your butt off to get here. All of you have. So, you know, well done. And more to come, right? Like, I know you're on a little bit of a break now, um, relaxing a little bit. Well-deserved.
1: I am personally, but uh, not, not everyone else. No,
0: that's true. Well, you know, everybody gets their time. <laughs> everybody can take their break.
1: Yep, it it's still it's still going. Yeah. Yeah, yep, exactly.
0: And now you're just doing uh kite surfing in the meantime while you relax cuz you know, you can't stop, so you have to find another way to get out on get your adrenaline out, right? Get out on the ocean.
1: Yeah. And we all have amnesia too. We all forget about you know the other stuff. So it's so always just looking forward, looking forward, yes. you know, what that is and getting that adrenaline fix. Um but yeah, I'm I'm addicted currently to uh foiling. Uh that's uh, that's my new uh that's my new thing. Um, drones and foiling. That, uh, it feeds the soul.
0: And and foiling for everyone that doesn't know is not some like illicit drug use. It's like out on the ocean in this weird board. That's the only way for me to describe it. Yeah,
1: a board with a hydrofoil, and uh, you fly across the water. And it feels like surfing on powder. Um, that's how I describe it. Or sorry, snowboarding on powder, um, where it's just like it's if you haven't snowboarded in powder, you need to do it. And if you have, you know, you know what I mean. It's just this cool magic carpet ride that you're on. And now you're able to do it in the surf as well. And, you know, little waves that you would never surf. Um, now, you know, you're able to get these little tiny mushy things and you just come out with the biggest grin on this little knee high wave. You're like, that was amazing. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a good way to de-stress.
0: And it's the only reason you talk to me today because there's no wind.
1: There, there's no wind <laughs> and there's no waves right now. So I'm free. <laughs>
0: I'm grateful to uh, the lack of wind. The lack of trade winds today because you came to talk to me, which I really appreciate. We got to wrap it up. We're running out of time. But I just want to thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and information and stuff. It's just, you know, I knew we'd have a blast. And that's why I wanted to do it for two years. So thank you for finally coming on.
1: Well, thank you for listening to my rambling.
0: No, I think it's super. It's like something (laughs) we haven't touched on yet. So, And I mean, we could go forever. That's always the challenge with this stuff is you know, it's never enough time just to have one episode, but you just have to cram in as much as you can. Because you know what? Film people are listening to this and they don't have any time. So you have to make it quick.
1: <laughs> cram it. Yeah. Right. Awesome. They don't,
0: they don't have time to listen to more. So, well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And yeah, enjoy your downtime while it's here and um, well, thank you. enjoy the sun because there's none over in Vancouver right now.
1: I know. But spring's coming. Spring's coming.
0: It is. That's hopeful. Thank you. Thank you for reminding yeah. me.
1: And. and- and beautiful BC, spring and summer, it's absolutely beautiful. There. You're right, it is. Um, it's it's, and that's why that's why the film industry is thriving. Yes. And um, you get you know so many, uh, you get a great crew. You got you know productions that are up there, um, established vi- visual effects uh, and you uh, know other post houses, and um, within a few hours of downtown Vancouver, you have so many different you know varieties of landscape.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um,
1: that it's it's, it's I don't know anywhere else in the world um, that's like that. Um, that you can go from like a glacier to the beach to a city to a desert with cactus uh, to, you know, surf in rugged mountains to, you know, Rockies. It's got everything you need.
0: Well, it's why we're so busy. So you need to come back. Hurry up.
1: Yep. Soon, (laughs) soon. Very soon. Soon, soon.
0: Well, in the meantime, enjoy your time off. It's well deserved. And thanks again.
1: Thank you very much. Have a good one.
0: If you want to learn more about my podcast, you can go to vantropolispodcast.com, or you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I always appreciate reviews as well, which you can do on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Subscribe, like, or share it with someone you think might be interested in the Vancouver film industry. Or if you work in film, maybe send it to your partner so they know why you're never home.